You are listening to the Gear 30 Podcast, a community, you could even call it a support group, for people addicted to outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. There is no shame here. In spite of what your spouse or partner may say, we believe it's okay to own five tents, seven backpacks, and 18 jackets. Our slogan, inspired by the great explorer Sir Ranolf Fiennes, is, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate gear. So if you're an aspiring outdoor adventurer, a mountain guide, or anyone in between, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Gear 30 Podcast, where we talk about outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. Woohoo! And, uh... I found a I found a video. Okay. It's Pro Skier. This is on Snowbrains. Stan Ray shares ten quick and easy tips on how to ski tour. So I thought we'd go through these, and then you can. Um, Oops. Don't <laughs> treat those vans with disrespect. I gotta break them in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll bring my skateboard. You can scrape the side. <laughs> okay. on, on my skateboard. Uh, we can go through these and see what. Uh, what your thoughts are. Okay, so number one, um, the essential tools. What are the essential tools of touring in the backcountry? Fruit snacks. Fruit snacks? Mm. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Granola bars? Nope. Nope. What about skins? No. Be- Beacon Pro Shovel? No. Essential, Chase. Essential. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Rum. It's of- rum. <laughs> oh, rum. rum. And Pepsi. Yes. Okay, rum. Rum and fruit snacks and whatever else you said. <laughs> Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, it's beverages. Okay, beverages okay. and like I have I have I do have friends who've taken like a leg of chicken or a burrito. <laughs> well, you know. So like stuff to eat. Uh yeah, beacon I- shovel probe is really what you need. I never tore long enough to need a leg of chicken. I, um, you need better longer. friends, apparently. I usually, because I usually just go out early in the morning, like from like five to eight, five to nine, or something mm. like that before work. And so, you know, hot chocolate gets gets me through the morning, and then yeah. I get home and I eat some breakfast. Yeah. And so, coffee's good for me. Um, and then, but yeah, beacon shovel probe. So make sure you have your beacon shovel probe. I think everybody knows that, but just in case you didn't know, it's those three essential tools. Uh, how to put on your skins. Is there, what's the method? I know when you were racing, Greg, you probably got your skin placement on in a record seconds, seconds of putting. But if you take them out of your of your bag or your jacket or whatever, what's the process? Like how, how do you place the skis in the snow with like, or do you keep them on your boot? Like what are your... What are your thoughts on how to put your skins on? Yeah, so um, just for a little clarification, back when I was racing, if someone were watching me race, they wouldn't necessarily think I was racing <laughs> because more, I was more much, dawdling much, around or something. <laughs> much slower right. than the rest of the people. Who's but, this kid? What is he doing here? <laughs> why is that guy? Why is that guy getting in the way of Does all he the? You know, there's a race here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, when I was when I was uh, hiking around with all the racers as they were lapping me, um, I did get better 
faster at putting skins on. But all of my skis from backcountry skis have have a little notch in the tip, in the front tip, mm. where my skins go. And um, so I've got my my normal backcountry skis and like ski mountaineering skis have skins that have a hook on the back and a little um, pole tab thing that hooks in the that little notch in the front of the ski. So I take my skis off, wipe all the all the snow off to make sure it's a it's a clean surface, put the tail hook on, and then line up, kind of pull the skin tight, line up the skin. Wait, so your skis are upside down in the snow? Yeah, sort of. Um, I line up the I kind of stretch my ski out and line up the skin with the ski and and tack it to the ski about three quarters of the way down. So I just push the glue against the ski when it's lined up and then I run my and then I hook the loop and then run my hand down the length of the ski to push the glue against the ski and then I put the ski on and with a little practice I can usually do that in 10 or 15 seconds or so um per ski per ski yeah and uh and then to take them off with that type of ski you just lean forward pull the little loop out of the the tip of the ski the little notch of the ski and lift your ski off the ground just a little bit and rip while they're still in the binding while they're still in the binding rip back and the skin will just come off and then you grab the skin and i just fold tip to tail glue glue against glue kind of line it up and then tack that together and then slide my hand down the rest of of the skin to and then just kind of roll them up shove them in my jacket and go and that is uh so I, I would say putting skins on probably was like a probably a total of that whole transition from skiing down to put skins on to head back up, probably a minute to a minute and 15 seconds transition. And then skins off to ski is probably a 30 to 45 second transition. Chase, when, do you have when any... When I was going faster. Yeah, do you have any... Are you same same technique? Do you have any... Tips um, that are different. My my technique is definitely a little different because I have to put on the tail the tip loops before yeah. for me. But I started that, put the tip loop on, and then basically same thing. You kind of eyeball, and I go like halfway down the ski, slap it on, make sure that the the skin is not hanging over one side, and then do the rest of the ski. Mine does not take fifteen or twenty seconds. It takes a little longer than that. <laughs> yeah. So the volets on my <clears throat> split board has the tip. Um, loop or whatever and so mine go in that same way so mm-hmm. and then but they don't they don't latch on at the bottom they just stick, they stick. at the bottom yeah, yeah that's nice so um but i i think the biggest tip i've gotten for skins is how to fold them and store them properly not necessarily properly but in a way that i like and there was so many times when i first started that we'd be on a summit and it'd be windy and crappy weather and you're trying to like hassle trying to get these glues these skins glue to glue right and james knight when we were up on a peak one time when he saw me struggling he's like hey turn towards the wind so the wind is blowing into your face and let the ski hit hit against your leg and then just grab the skin about halfway down and fold it over onto your leg so you're not having to deal with your skin blowing all over in the wind because intuitively i would turn away from it because it's blowing the other direction but then that blows the the skin away from you right you're chasing the skin so let the let the wind blow the skin into your body against your body and just fold it against down and it's really simple but i feel like 
I've shared that tip with other people because I see them struggling and it's probably like one of the best little tips of how to fold your skin. James, man, and, man of the mountains. That guy's a stud. Right? There's a lot of ways to fold your skin, but I think like when it all comes down to it, make sure that you're, the wind's blowing into you, you're facing the wind and it's made folding my skin. Have you guys ever lost a skin? I have not. Mm-hmm. I don't have you, no. Nope. Okay. Well that, so then that covers putting your skins on, probably taking your skins off. How to kick turn. What's the proper steps on how to kick turn? Kick turn. Sure. Uh, kick, kick, turn. Kick, turn. Kick, kick, turn. Kick, turn. Yeah. This is all a buildup for Greg to drop the bomb on how to kick turn. Teach us. Yeah. What's? How do you do it? All right. It's so way easier to show people than tell people <laughs> how to do it over a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, try, I know how to kick turn, but trying to explain it, it's like, huh? Well, and I'm I'm afraid that the people that heard me go through my uh, how I how I put on skins and take off skins don't. You've have lost a, all credibility now. A, is that what you're saying? Don't have a clue what I'm even talking oh. about because I don't explain it particularly well. Uh, so when I kick turn, first of all, what is a kick turn? When you're going up a skin track and you've got the the switchbacks or whatever, you get to the end of the switchback and you've got a turn back the other direction and it is awkward if you haven't like 180 right like uh yeah for the most part i mean nearly yeah um yeah so you're just like you're you're making forming the tip of the pie yeah you're making a sharp um turn so what i do is uh, you can so i don't know if this is why it's called a kick turn but this is always why i've assumed it's been called a kick turn is when you're trying to make that turn, it's hard sometimes to get that ski around without the tip of your ski hitting the side of the hill and stuff, and you're trying to get it around. And so if you give it your ski a little kick with your hill, it'll pop that tip up out of the way, and then you can turn that ski around and, and get on the skin track. But the way I do it is you're skinning up, you, you skin up to the end um, of the line, and you've got to make that sharp turn. If you put your... If you just drop your... St- Which foot do you start with? Outside I, or inside? I start with my inside. Okay. Uh, you just drop your your foot back just a little bit, and that will kind of bring that tip up and, and drop your the hill of your ski automatically, and then you can kind of more easily make the pivot um, to lift your ski up and, and turn it that 180 to put it back on the skin track going the other direction. And then with that other ski, you can do the same thing. Just chop your foot back a little bit and then bring it around. Or you can give that little kick with your heel and it kicks that tip up out of the way. And then you rotate it around. Did you practice on flat ground first? No, I practiced in uh, schemo races and fumbled around and looked like an idiot <laughs> until I figured it out. Yeah. Because um, I, when I was doing a lot of... Um, backcountry touring in my earlier days uh, it was a lot there weren't nearly as many people ski touring and usually when I went out I was the only one that was um I was the only one I was always setting my own trail or whatever skit mm-hmm. setting the skin track and so I usually just kind of zigzagged my way up I, rarely was I on terrain where I needed to make sharp steep um switchbacks and so I didn't really kick turn a whole lot and so I, I never really learned that skill until I got into schema racing then I um, 
started doing these community races and somebody else had already set the skin track in and they were setting it up steep hills and stuff. And so suddenly there's a skin track that zigzagged up the steep hill and I get to the end of the skin track and I'm like fumbling around trying to get around the corner, getting in the way. There's people behind me waiting for me. The people ahead of me on the skin track are pulling away and I'm struggling to get around this corner. And I, um, I eventually get around, but I'm thinking, man, that was bad. Like I need to figure out how to do this. So I started watching the fast guys and they were doing it the way I'm trying to describe, but probably doing a poor job of. And they just made it look so smooth. I mean, they'd hardly hesitate. It would take them three seconds to get around that skin track, that turn versus Mm. my 20, 30 seconds of struggling and slipping all over and stuff like that. So um, anyway. So when you're doing a kick turn, and this is the next one, and you fall over, is it harder to get up on a touring ski without your heels locked in or easier? And how do you get up from from a fall? I feel like it's harder to get up on a touring ski. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Because only your toe is connected. Yeah, sometimes you're trying to get your skis oriented properly the way you want them to. It's a little harder when only your toe is connected. You can't pick up your ski and move it. Yeah. Because you pick up your foot and only the, your your heel's loose. So. Right. So it's, yeah, because it doesn't... If your foot pulls up, the back end falls down. The, the tail falls down into the snow. And so it's harder to get that out of the snow. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you could see what I'm talking about here for sure through the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I get it. Okay, so it is harder to get up. We've established that much. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it is. Now, for those people who are wanting to learn how to kick turn, and um, my description just confused you, just look it up on YouTube. There's probably a good video. On yeah, there. all of this can be looked up on YouTube, but we want to hear you explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's now this one should be easier. Explain how to break trail. How to break trail. Just you yeah. just break it. Yeah, hike. <laughs> you, just hike. You find a trail that's not a trail. You just find a mountain with snow on it, but there's no trails. And then you go through it. You go up. Yeah, you there's a famous line from Ghostbusters. Do you remember that line? Do you know what I'm alluding to? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Okay, wrong one. <laughs> uh, so, I think it was at Vankman. Those are stairs. Where do they go? They go, go up. up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Same. Same. So in order to break trail, you go up. You just break it. You break trail. I mean, is there any advice for breaking trail on in thicker snow or to not get burned out or anything. So how to set your turn so that you're not going straight up the friggin' mountain. That's one thing I think like, I feel like I skin in Salt Lake and then I skin here and the skin tracks are very different. But steeper in Salt Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I've noticed. And like, why are we trying to set, if I have to use my hill rises on a, on a switchback skin track, I'm like, it almost defeats the purpose of why we're, we're zigzagging back and forth. If I'm using my highest heel riser to use the skin track, mm. you know? Um, so you could use your heel riser. Probably, probably <laughs> set by those Salt Lake hard men and hard women who can just like hike 10,000 vertical in a day, and multiple days in a row. By one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And it's like for the rest of us who um, are maybe not in quite as good a shape, 
like those steep slopes i mean you cover a lot of ground quickly but it's a little bit more work and and uh yeah yeah the goal is not to set a really really steep skin track um in my mind um yeah also if you're well a lot of people if you're just getting into backcountry skiing you're probably not going to be breaking trail and if you are you should be confident that you're breaking trail in a safe area you're not breaking trail at the bottom of an avalanche slide path or on a steep slope or how do you follow a, a trail a br- uh the tr- the person breaking trail what's, what's the best technique i just follow i would just hike yeah well i'm alluding to avalanche safety oh oh well oh, like you're when you're crossing, like crossing an avalanche. A, a slope yes. or something <laughs> yeah. well nice. one at a time is a really good way to do it <laughs> yeah um stay out of way stay out of the stay out of harm's way you know if, yeah if they're in a dangerous area, don't be in a way that if they did trigger an avalanche, you're going to get washed away as well. I think it's it's also important to not just blindly follow a skin track. Um, just because someone said a skin track doesn't necessarily mean they knew what they were doing. No, they might, they're just going out for a walk. Yeah, you never I, know if it's... I saw a picture of some early Wasatch skiing this year, and there was probably nine people in this really steep, pretty narrow couloir that was absolutely an avalanche slide path mm-hmm. that like everything is there for an avalanche to, <laughs> to slide for something to break loose, a slab to break loose. So, and I'm sure these people, one person said it and then nine other people are like, Oh, well, that's probably a good place. They probably knew what they were doing, but it was very obvious that the first person that went up didn't know what they were doing. Mm. So just take that into consideration. Don't just think, Oh, someone else said it. It's probably safe. If you have that inclination of, Oh, I, this might, this might not be the best place to travel and then pick a different route and go set your own skin track, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, <laughs> I yeah. think I agree with everything that was okay. just said. He thinks he agrees. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah. But I was just going to say, if you, if, if all of this seems intimidating to you, like, Oh, how do I know what a, a safe path is and stuff like that? Uh, first thing to do, go to a no before you go so that you can learn what you don't know. Like, it doesn't teach you what you need to know. It teaches you that you don't know what you need to know. <laughs> and then go take an avalanche course and go out with some friends who have a lot of experience um, and then and just learn, 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 learn. Uh, the one thing in my area, uh, the, the backcountry skiing areas close to my house, most of them are in areas where you never really get on a slope steeper than 30 degrees. And so avalanche danger is very low. And most of those places I go ski, uh, I go touring even by myself sometimes, and I just stay to slopes that are below 25 degrees because I know that's not going to slide. Even in bad conditions, it's not going to slide. But um, if I'm with a partner who's who's pretty avvy savvy, then we go ski the See 30. What you did there, avvy savvy. Then we go ski the 30 to 40 degree slopes, um, and we can check the the stability of the snowpack we can I'm feeling more confident if something bad happened I've got his back he's got my back and stuff but um if you're not so confident you can still go enjoy the backcountry just go in places that I mean you can still ski have a lot of fun on 25 degree slopes I feel like we need to get Corey Davis of Ogden Avalanche and Abby Savvy license plate <laughs> Yeah, we should have him jump on this podcast. Yeah, we should. Uh, okay, one or two more here, real quick. Um, I've never, 
No, I have done this. Um, when you're at the top and you're like taking it easy and you're not in a hurry, you'd like to enjoy the view and maybe grab a snack and drink some of your hot chocolate. How do you build a bench out of your skis? Well, there's multiple ways you could build a bench out of skis. Um, I always just flip my skis over so it's skin up, place them on the ground so the binding's kind of holding the ski in the ground. You and sit, sit on, on your ski. <laughs> yeah. And sit on them. Yeah. Yep. Sit on them. Um, you can always build it like a little beach chair, you know, a little lounger. Um, you can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I do too. I either sit on my skis or I sit on my backpack. I zip my backpack up, put it on the ground, and sit on the back panel. If you're gonna be there for a while, you can rig them up. Um, how do people do? I don't even know. There's there's so many creative ways to build chairs in the backcountry. I just I just sit them down and sit on them, and it works. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, don't be a tool. Bring one is one of his <laughs> advices here. Again, this is from Snowbrains.com. Uh, video pro skier Stan Ray shares ten quick and easy tips on how to ski tour. So we're going through them and putting our own little twist on them here. Not playing the video. Don't be a tool. Bring one. What is your favorite multi-tool or what tools do you have in your kit? So one of the tools that we always think of Beacon Shovel Probe, but one of the tools that I think is is a necessity or almost a necessity is a snow saw. Mm -hmm. Snow saws are really helpful when you're digging pits and checking avalanche danger. Um, if you have one, you use it all the time. And it, assuming you know what to do with it. Um, if you take a, an avalanche course, you'll realize how often you should be using it because um, that's just, I mean, and you can get away with, I don't I don't take a snow saw um, a lot of times, but you can get away with using a shovel for what you use a snow saw for a lot of times, but in some cases it's just way easier and way better to use a snow saw, especially if you're doing snow science stuff. If you're if you're digging a deep pit and you're you want to cut the back out of a of a column test and stuff like that, you really can't do that with a shovel very well. You need a snow saw and and in some cases a probe to um, you know have a probe anyway, but a probe to connect your saw to so you can make a longer cut and those types of things. When you start getting into that stuff, you use a snow saw all the time. If you're into ski mountaineering, you'll use a saw all the time. Sometimes you'll use it to cut off a. a um, Cornice. A cornice um, before you ski a steep line because trying to enter into like a, a couloir or something like that that's corniced over, you don't want to jump off the cornice and then have the cornice collapse on top of you or collapse while you're on the cornice. You cut the cornice off and give yourself a way to get into the couloir before you ski it. So there's a lot of different... And when you're ski mountaineering or when you're mountaineering, if you're spending multiple days, you can use a, a snow saw to build an igloo. You can use a snow saw to cut out a... Um, you know, an area in your tent vestibule so that you can put your feet down in there and you can use a, use a snow saw for lots of different things but for backcountry skiing use it all the time for for snow science so that's one that I think is a must um, and having like your uh, inclinometer your uh, like a snow again this is more snow science stuff but you can get those cards to sort of look at and analyze uh, snowflakes and other things. If you, if you want to 
get into that type of stuff. Those are good things to have if you if you know understand that stuff. A snow thermometer, or some of those types of things. Is it called a snowmometer? Might be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think of of the three, uh, Beacon Shovel Probe, and then on top of that, a snow saw. And then, uh, do you have a, do you have a multi tool just in case something rips out or? Yeah, to for your skis and yeah. and some of that hardware. That's a good idea. I know split I've, split borders. It's like a must. That stuff does not stay together on split boards. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I rarely take a. Well, that's not true. I always have a multi tool in my backpack that's just always in there. Um, I never use it. I almost always uh, check my skis and the screws and everything on my skis a few like two or three times in a season and so i i've never had any issues but i usually have a multi-tool with me the best tool to ever take in the backcountry your brain yeah <laughs> volet straps yeah oh that's true very volet straps we yeah. sell some with the gear 30 name on it sure do okay what do you use them for Everything. How do you use them for? Um, you strap your coffee to your leg. Strap your coffee to your <laughs> leg. You can. I mean, you can. You can strap your skis together if you wanted to do that. Yeah, that's okay. Um, it's they're great if you are in an emergency situation. Someone breaks a bone, you can tie a splint together really easy using your belay strap. Um, if your binding breaks, I've seen some very creative works to stick a boot. On a ski with a oh. strap. I oh. have a friend, friend who's a skin. Was it tail loop or no tip loop broke off, and he Jimmy rigged a, a tip loop with a valet strap um, for a long approach. Like things come in handy all the time. Yeah, I, that's a good one. I broke a buckle on my boot a couple of winters ago, last winter actually, and I used a valet strap to hold my boot together to get down the mountain. Which didn't work all that well. I mean, it, my foot didn't come out, but it wasn't tight by any means. Um, and then I skied on it with a with a um, volley strapped boot like three more times that year before I before the year was over because it knew, worked. Because I knew if I had to send the boot in, it, I probably wouldn't get it back before the end of the year. So mm. I just skied on it that way, which was really awkward it was like skiing in a boot that's six sizes too big it was just so sloppy <laughs> so the last piece of advice is to remember to go into walk mode ski mode that is you know i'm not even going to remind, remind people to do that because they'll remind themselves within two <laughs> seconds so like the one thing is is going from ski mode to walk mode is not as a obvious um but when you're in walk mode and you try to ski, as soon as you try to put pressure into that edge of your ski, you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> okay, just a second. I got to put my, my boots in ski mode and sit there and lock everything down. But So I'll tell you, I went, uh, I we were up skiing at the local resort with the kids and my wife was like, hey, go go take one run up the big lift by yourself before we go. Like, yeah, okay. So I went and jumped on the big lift. When I got to the top, I... I cranked my boots down to go into ski mode. And with the DinaFit boots that I have, you the buckle has a little a little thing on it. When you close the buckle, it pokes into the boot and locks it into ski ski mode versus walk mode. But sometimes, uh, because my boots are older and they're loose, um, and I was on my lightweight touring boots, when I close that buckle, it'll tighten the boot around my ankle, but that little 
protrusion from the from the buckle doesn't fit in the hole and lock it into ski mode. It just it like closes but doesn't lock it. And so I'm I get to the top, I close up my boots and I start skiing down and I'm skiing fast and I'm skiing aggressively and I'm feeling like, man, I'm 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 like a new skier. I it's been a while since I've skied. Like this is weird. I'm gonna and I was just thinking, oh it's like my first day skiing and it's my first time doing a real run for the year and I'm thinking and the snow conditions are bumpy and not ideal and I'm trying to dodge rocks and stuff and I'm just feeling like oh, I feel like a little bit of a beginner but I get down the mountain and I ski pretty fast and I don't fall but I almost fall, fell a few times and stuff and then I get to the bottom and I'm going to uh, bend down to reach my boots and, and my left boot was just it was snug around my ankle but it was like I could flex it back and forth 50 60 degrees and then all of a sudden I hear it click and it locks I was like ah that's why I was skiing with a locked boot on my right foot but a very loose boot and I thought it was locked because it felt tight around my ankle but I could not figure out why my left ski was just so all over the place and why I almost ate it a couple of times when I was skiing hard and that's why so you know, I, I thought it would have been obvious, but <laughs> I went the whole run without realizing that my boot was open. Wow. Well, there you go. There's some good tips then for backcountry skiing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So get out there. <laughs> Let it yeah, snow, and, though. And really, all of these things, like you can you can watch YouTube videos and learn all these things on YouTube, but you got to practice them. Know that, know that kick turns exist. Know that some of these techniques exist, but... You still have to go practice. Even if you know how to do a kick turn in your head, the first couple of times you do it, it's going to feel awkward and and weird, and you might lose your balance and stuff. I don't know how many people I've taken uh, into the backcountry, and we, we go up a steep skin track, and uh, they've never done a kick turn before, and they pretty much always fall on like the first one trying to get around, or maybe they get around the first one, but then the next one they fall, and they it takes a little bit of practice to get comfortable and to get good at it before you're, so you're not falling when you try it. And so just know that's kind of part of the learning curve. Learn how to do it on YouTube or, or whatever, and then go practice a few times because it'll get easier the more you practice. Don't wait until you're on a sketchy slope to try to learn how to do a kick turn. Learn how to do it when you're on a safe slope so that when you're in a sketchy place, you can just cruise it. All good. Sweet. Take us out. All right. Thanks for joining us for the podcast today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and also tell your friends and check out gear30.com, G-E-A-R-T-H-I-R-T-Y.com for deals on the greatest in outdoor gear, including your backcountry skiing gear. And uh, let's see. Follow us on Instagram at gear underscore three zero. Like us on Facebook. And that's it. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in the next episode. Sure. See you out there. Woo.